0: Well, this morning I, I, we're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts 16, and I did not like plan it this way. This was not like my strategy. This is the Lord yet again being smarter than me. Where we come to a passage where we're going to be introduced to a young man, a young man who's going to make a huge impact on the early church, a, a young man who's going to be used mightily to expand God's kingdom. But we're not just going to be introduced to him. Who else are we going to be introduced to? Anybody? His mama, yeah, that's how we say it in the South, mama, it's not mother, it's mama's day. Yeah, we get introduced to his mama. As we look at Timothy, as we look at his mother Eunice, as we look at his mama Eunice, we see that there is so much help, there is so much hope. When you understand who she is, when you understand the care she took, that she poured, she invested, she sacrificed into her son. Oh, there's some overlap, there's some overlap with today. Can I be honest with you? You get some training sometimes in seminary and you find other pastors where sometimes you hear stories. Can we just be honest and real for a moment? Where sometimes pastors and mamas come into conflict on Mother's Day. Anybody? Why is this? Because sometimes pastors think that the ladies who insist on, we've got to have something for Mother's Day. We we need to say something about mothers. Sometimes we mistakenly think that These ladies want Mother's Day to be about them and not about Jesus. What a wise lady has helped me to see. What other ladies have helped me to see. What my own wife and her experience of being a mother has helped me to see is that so many of you are saying, no, 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 we don't want that. We want Jesus lifted up. We understand that Jesus is who we come to worship. This day is not about us. It's for Jesus, but pastor, Do you know what it's like? Do you know how hard it is? Can we get Jesus? Can we get help from God's word in the form of just some kind of encouragement, some kind of hope, some kind of help? I so desperately want to hear from my God and his word as to what he has to say about what it's like for me as a mama, as a grandmama, as a lady who can't have a kid or as a lady who might never have a kid or as someone who's lost a mother. Is there help? Is there hope? Is there a word for me? Ladies, I hear you. I understand that. I almost feel like that's a confession and something I need to repent of for not having seen that before. So in that vein... Let's look at how our God has providentially and sovereignly landed us in a text where we can learn about Timothy, we can learn about Eunice, we can get that hope, that help, that practical encouragement. And I'm going to do my best as someone who is quite obviously not a woman, not a wife, and not a mama, so bear with me, all right? Here's where we're going. We're going to read this text. I'll break it down for you. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16, just three verses Verses 1 through 3. This is God's holy, inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. This is God's word. It is given to you in love and for your good, that we may know him and live before him. Now, how are we going to break this down? Well, this is going to be less of like a line-by-line sermon. Although we will touch upon every single verse and some other verses, this might land as a little bit more of a topical arrangement. But it's one I'm very comfortable making. Why? Because we get to do these three things this morning. Here are the three places we're going. Number one, we're going to ask, "What was it like for Timothy's mother?" We need to know that and we need to see that. Secondly, once we know what it was like for Timothy's mother, we get to ask, "What is it like?" for mothers today. Next, we'll do this. We'll have some questions and some answers about mothers from mothers for you on Mother's Day, but also for those of you who may not be biological mothers, but have the opportunity to be spiritual mothers. What was it like then? What's it like now? And what do we learn from it? Let's go. Number one, what do we learn about Timothy's mother? What do we learn about Timothy's mother? Let's start in verse one. Let's start in verse one. What do we learn about Timothy's mother from verse one? We learn that she is Jewish, but she's come to faith in Christ. Look where it says, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. We know that about her. There's some faith in the family. There's a legacy of faith in the family. But that's not all we know about her. You see, as we look to other passages in the Bible, we can learn more about this woman, and we're going to see that this woman is actually a pretty remarkable woman. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. What does it say there? What does it show there? We see that, that Timothy's mother was not just a believer. We see that she was well-grounded in the faith. Do we have it up there? Good, we have it up there. Faith grounded her life. She had a legacy of faith that had been handed to her by her own mother. This is what she's going to pass on. We see that she is a woman of great faith. But we learn more than just that she was a woman of great faith. We learn Her name. What was Timothy's mama's name? Eunice. Eunice. She had a faith that was handed to her by her mother. But what else can we learn about Eunice? What else can we learn about her? Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Let's go on a little further in 2 Timothy. What do we learn? We learn that Timothy knew the sacred writings, the scripture, the Bible. We knew that he learned them from his childhood. We learned them from his childhood. It sounds like if Timothy and Eunice had lived today, every night Timothy would have gone to bed with a bedtime Bible story. His mama read him the Bible. How can I say this? How can I say that Timothy knew this? He loved this. He was loved by his mother. Because here's this. Timothy probably is the one who gave Paul that information. How does Paul know to say that? Probably because Timothy told him with with a smile on his face, with warmth in his heart. Yeah, my mom read me the Bible every night. I loved it. It was so good. It was so helpful. And here's the thing. We already get hints that this woman of faith was kind, was engaging, and so concerned for her son. Do you see that? Do you see that? What are we learning about her? Here's what we're learning We're learning she's a woman of faith, a woman of scripture, a woman with a warm heart. But at the same time, we're also learning that life was not easy for Eunice. Life was not without complications or obstacles. How can I say that? You know, I wonder if Eunice walked around feeling embattled and imposed Again, how can I say that? Let's look at the text. Let's look at the context within which she raised young Timothy. Let's look at the circumstances around her. Look at the rest of verse 1. What do we learn about Timothy's dad? We learn that he was not Jewish. He was Greek. I wonder... I wonder if Eunice was like so many young ladies, my wife and I have counseled, discipled, mentored, and helped during their single years. I wonder if Eunice was like so many of of you ladies when you were single, where she just wanted a good Jewish man, a man she could look up to and be proud of, point to and go, that's my man, but at the same time, a man who would appreciate her. As she tries to live out her faith, that he would peer into her heart through the lens of her actions and her words and see the gold of faith residing and lining her heart's chambers. And he would find that precious and she would just feel warmed from the inside out as she saw that her husband saw her. Does Eunice get that? No. No. She never would know that. Like so many women living outside of Jerusalem in this time, it was so hard to find a Jewish man, let alone a good one. She did not have that. That's an obstacle. And this obstacle would lead to another obstacle. She faced possible conflict with Timothy's dad. Look at verse 3. We're not going to break this detail detail down very much, but, but suffice to say, Timothy's dad never insisted or ensured that Timothy was circumcised. Was Timothy's dad really moved by Judaism? Was he really moved by Christianity? Was it a force in his life? We're kind of left to wonder, possibly even conclude, if Timothy's dad really gave a rip about the things his wife cared most deeply about, and that sets you up for opposition. Just like when a Christian and a Jew marry, and it's like, what do we do at Christmas? What do we do at Easter? They knew that in the home. Eunice raised Timothy without the spiritual help that many mothers would have sought and expected from a Jewish husband. But that's not all. That's not all. Where else did she know obstacles and objections? You see, she knew the shame. She knew the scorn of taking Timothy to the synagogue every Sabbath as a functional, single mom. Her husband probably didn't go with her. She probably got looks the synagogue. She probably had to stand last in line. Ladies, have you ever felt judged by other ladies on some deeply feminine things? Have you ever felt those looks? Have you ever felt that you're having to choke down anger on a day that's supposed to be for the Lord and knowing his joy, knowing his warmth, knowing his kindness? Have you ever felt your stomach twist in knots when you just want to focus on how your God loves you? Oh, friends, this was sad. Look at verse 3 again. Look at verse 3 again. Do you see that verb was? Do you see that verb was? I think we put it in red for you. The way the Greek works, I don't want to get into the technical details of it, but the way the Greek works right there, it's implying that more than likely, Timothy's dad is dead at this point. Eunice has gone from a functional single mother on the Sabbath To Monday through Monday, being a single mother, and Timothy is probably in his late teens or his early 20s when a young man probably needs his father the most. This is an obstacle. Moreover, after becoming a Christian, when Paul and Barnabas are kicked out of town, who does Eunice go to for help? She's got to be patient as these new elders, these new pastors that have also just come to faith are learning how to shepherd people, learning how to run a church without running it into the ground, learning how to hand a church off to the next generation. The men that led her to faith, the men that helped teach her the faith, they're not around, so what is she to do? And finally, there's an added layer. She saw Paul nearly lose his life for his faith, and she knows that there are people out there who don't like her just because she's a Christian. When she goes to the synagogue, if she got looks before, now that she's accepted that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, what other kind of looks is she gonna get? What are the other people thinking about her? Do you see obstacle after obstacle after obstacle that Eunice has to navigate as she raises little Timothy to young Timothy? This is an amazing woman, isn't it? This is a woman full of courage, full of perseverance, full of dedication and love for her son and for her God. Let's hang on that right there. Obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. May I ask, ladies, does being a mama sometimes feel like a never-ending series of obstacle after obstacle after obstacle? Your life has contact points with Eunice's life. Her life speaks into your life. Her life can shed light on your life. I hope you see that. And if not, let's just take a minute and let's look at what it means to be a mother today. I'm gonna do my best, even though I've never been one. And talking to some of you ladies, talking to my wife, elders' wives, just other godly women in this congregation, here's what I've come to understand. Yes, it's true. Many women today, many mothers today, do not know the kind of persecution or maybe, maybe fully know what Eunice's life was like. But here's the thing. You all face challenges as a mama. Like Eunice, if I can just say it, you've scraped a backside. You've ducked under flying pee once or twice in your life. You know what it's like to try to soothe a child when you need to get things done, but they're crying, right? You're trying to get the dishes done, the laundry done. You're trying to get breakfast ready, make sure the lunches are ready to go. You've got to get everyone dropped off. You've got to straighten up the toys, the books, the crayons, and the glue that were left out yet again, right? This is what life can be like. You finally get a moment during the day to wipe crusted syrup, milk, or your child's last sneeze off of your clothes, try to get the laundry done, and oh, by the way, it's finally lunchtime where you can pause, sit down, get a bite to eat, and finally have a sip of your now-cold coffee. Does this land? Is this kind of what it can be like? Somehow, you go off, get dinner ready, or get it started, go drop your kids off in the minivan at their friend's house, at wherever, whatever practice they may have, you come home, you finish dinner, then you get the dishes done while making sure somehow, some way, every bristle of a toothbrush has hit every tooth in every child's mouth. You get their pajamas on, make sure prayers are said, and we haven't even mentioned the grocery store, the loudness of the minivan on the way to school, that one child that will not stay on their side of the minivan as you're taking them to practice. The mud, the clay that gets tracked into the minivan that guess who gets to clean out later, right? Oh, you deal with who did or did not like the food you cooked, who needed to be hogtied just to get them into the bathtub, who had a fight that day at school, who hurt your child that day at school, or what relational disconnect your son or your daughter knew. You face the prospect of going downstairs and your husband wants quality time after the kids are finally duct taped to the bed only to have one of them wiggle out and what do they do? They ask you for a glass of water they could have gotten themselves. (laughs) They need help going to the bathroom or they need that tender hug because a nightmare just landed. Oh, ladies, oh, ladies, then what do you do? You wake up the next morning and you're right back at it all over again. And some of you work outside the home as well, and we haven't even talked about that. Oh, ladies, oh, ladies, to be clear, in no way am I trying to say this is not a good life. In no way am I trying to say you don't love your life or that you're unhappy or unfulfilled or or that you would have it any other way. But I think a lot of you, as I talk to you, as I understand what this world is like, I, I hear a common thread. You do a lot that goes unnoticed You do a lot that flies under the radar. You do a lot that seems unappreciated, even if the mom life is your dream life. I get the sense sometimes that ladies, pardon this analogy, I just don't have a better one. Sometimes you feel like the hamster on the wheel that's running at breakneck speed, and as you're on that wheel of life trying to keep it going, you feel like you're constantly at the point, you know, where the wheel starts to turn the hamster spin them around. I feel like sometimes that's what it can be like for you. Oh, ladies, when you look at Eunice's life, when you look at her raising young Timothy, I think many of you know what Eunice's life was like. I think that there are those of you who are here who are saying, I wish I could know what Eunice's life was like. And we hear you. Whatever camp you fall into, I firmly believe that her life has guidance, has hope, has help, and has comfort and encouragement for you as you sit there today. So hear good news. If Eunice's life overlaps, if Eunice's life raising Timothy overlaps with your life as a mother, or if you're not a mother and this is stirring something within you, then let's ask some of those questions you ask that you'd love to have an answer to. Let's get them out there and let's see what biblical light, what biblical wisdom, not me, but our God sheds on this situation. How does he speak to you? Let's go to our third question. Let's look at some of those common questions and answers that you may have. We've got five. We've got five. The first one, as we look at these questions and try to provide some help, this first one's like a two-parter. My, my wife beautifully Like, help me to understand this. I was thinking, man, as a pastor, I just want to make sure a lot of you ladies know that it's worth it. And my wife said, we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. Sometimes we need to know why it's worth it, how it's worth it. And when we put those two together, the question is really this Will it pay off? Will it pay off? Will it pay off? You know, I get that many of you would say, we already know it's worth it. We know it's worth it. But all the same, look with me at verse 2. Let's go to verse 2 in our text. Look at some of the results that Eunice got from her job mothering Timothy from her delight in shepherding her son's heart. Look at the result. Look at the result. What do we see? What do we learn? We see that anytime you wonder if it's worth it, anytime you ask, why is it worth it? You need to look at Eunice and look at Timothy. Why? Because in verse two, we see that Timothy is so highly respected, so well thought of, it paid off. Eunice is the one, probably with the help of her grandmother Lois, who grounded Timothy in the Bible and in the faith. Please don't ever forget, Timothy is from Lystra. That's the town that tried to kill Paul. Timothy probably witnessed Paul having a crowd, a cloud of rocks being hurled at him, and he knew the consequences firsthand. But did Timothy let that stop him from serving his God or serving his people? No, he loved his God, he loved the people, he was raised so well in the faith, he didn't just serve one church, he served two. Did you catch that he's well-regarded in Lystra and in Iconium? It's like the man who's working his day job, spend times at night, split between two churches, making sure all the instruments are plugged in, ready to go, the camera's running, the projection system's running good, and then he, then he goes on to start maybe leading a Bible study, starts teaching, starts preaching, starts sitting down with somebody to provide comfort or a word of help to somebody. This is, this is an amazing man. His mama has done an amazing job. Does Eunice have a son that she can be proud of? What do you think? Unreservedly, unabashedly, unequivocally, enthusiastically, and emphatically, yes, this is a son she can be proud of. God used her to play a role in the shape, the direction, and the drive of her son's life. There's another result, though, that shows that it's worth it, that it will pay off. Look at verse three. Look at the first part of verse three. No less than the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians who has ever lived, wants Timothy on his team as his top lieutenant. What a compliment! What a stamp of approval. What a double click on Eunice's job. Eunice's love for her son, her work in her son. Look at it. Timothy is going to be one of the men who brings the gospel into Europe. Timothy is going to be entrusted with one of the largest, if not the largest, church in all of the New Testament, the church at Ephesus. He's going to raise up elders, send out church planters, confront false teaching, evangelize people. Timothy is gonna go on to help Paul write Second Corinthians, Philippians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, Philemon, and another one, Colossians, six of the 27 books of the New Testament, almost one fourth of the books of the New Testament. Timothy goes on to have a hand in writing. Is your work worthwhile, ladies? Is it worthwhile? The question is, was Eunice's work worthwhile? The answer to all of this is a resounding yes. There is no wasted work in eternity's economy. There is no labor that is lost when it's done from the love of the Lord. Oh, it feels like a gloryless grind sometimes, ladies. I hear you on that. But your chores echo in your child's eternity, and you can take that to the bank because your father's promises are too strong your father's promises are too good, and your father's promises are given in too much love for you, he will not leave you hanging. Oh, ladies, when you wonder if it's worth it, remember that yes, it is. When you wonder if it will pay off, look at Eunice. Or perhaps answer this question. Raise your hand if you can name the mother of Billy Graham. We got one, little Troy right there, two years old, little Jack, he can name Morrow Graham. Oh, please go read Billy Graham's biography biography and see the impact that his mama had on his life, holding the family together, making sure there were evening devotionals, making sure there were evening prayers. Hear the mad, wild admiration and respect that this man had for his mama and look at the impact she had made through him. Ladies, is it worth it? You better believe it is. You will never know the impact your son or daughter will have as the Holy Spirit gifts and guides your child to grow God's people in his glory. Amen. Let's try that again. Amen. Amen. Every husband in this room better say amen. Ladies, it is worth it. That's the first question. What's the second question? How do I do this? How do I raise a Timothy? Can you give me some practical guidance, some practical help? Here's three. Here's three. First, ladies, read your children the Bible. Read your children the Bible. Go back to 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. Do you see how Eunice's faith became Timothy's faith? Well, how did it become Timothy's faith? What did she do? I want to know. I'm taking notes. I see some of y'all. What did she do? Look at 2 Timothy three fifteen again. She taught her boy, the Bible. She made sure he knew the Bible. Mothers, and any lady out there who would be a spiritual mother, a grace kids teacher or helper, a grace students helper, discussion leader, any lady who would disciple another person, be in the Word. It leads to salvation, yours and others. You know, my favorite times with my mom as a kid were every night when she would sit down and read me the Bible. I still remember that brown, ugly cover on the children's Bible. But mom would read it to me. She'd change her voices to try to engage me. She'd answer my questions no matter how silly or what she couldn't answer. She'd take it to our pastor, try to come back. She did whatever it took to keep my interest. Soon it became a habit for me It just became part of my life. Sooner, I wanted, like, a bigger boy Bible, and I remember getting one. I remember devouring it and wanting to read it. I remember becoming a Christian at 15, and by the age of 16 and a half, because of my mom's example and her work, I had read the Bible cover to cover. I remember in Iraq, during the hardest part of our deployment, the thing I turned to was a 90-day Bible reading plan. It took 104 days. But friends, I have this compulsive desire to read the Bible that my mom has programmed into me. Don't ever take for granted the power of a mother reading her boy, her girl, the Bible. That's number one, read them the Bible. (laughs) Number two, number two, keep the lines of communication open. Keep the lines of communication open. A mom's kind words, A mom's kind heart, a mom's gentle touch can do so much to ease a son or a daughter's pain. Hard times and hard days are coming when they hit puberty, and what do you do? You keep the lines of communication open. You leave the door open for them to come to you when life is against them. When they come to you, The Christ that dwells in you by the power of the Holy Spirit is who they're really coming to. They get more of Jesus as they get more of you. As you keep the lines of communication open, you're keeping the line of communication open with Christ through the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And the Bible that you are, the Bible that you know, is what you can impart and speak into their lives. And when your child comes to you, they're not going to the world for help. Isn't that a good thing? Read them the Bible. Keep the lines of communication open. What's the third thing that you can do? This is a tough one, but I think it needs to be said. Know when to give them space. Know when to give them space. This is more of an art form than a science. It varies from kid to kid, from young man to young man to young woman to young woman, but you will figure it out with the Holy Spirit's help and with time and experience. But this is especially true as they hit the teenage years. The more you crowd them, the more you drive them away. Know when to give them space. Sometimes the way you bridge the gap between you and your son or daughter is this, through prayer. Sometimes that really is the best way. You're not being distant. You're not being cold. You're just taking the heavenly route to get to your child's heart. Read them the Bible, keep the lines of communication open, and give them space. That's number two. What's number three? This is, these are some hard ones. What do I do if my son or daughter is not a Timothy? What if they've walked away from the faith? What do I do? Help me. Ladies, you have faithfully prayed for your child while they're in the home, but when they leave the home, don't you ever give up praying for them. Don't you ever give up praying for them. Regardless of if you're seeing results, if you're not seeing results, your God cares. He's listening. Even if it doesn't feel like your prayer is making a difference, your God is for you. He's for your family. He really does hear you. When his timing is not your timing, that doesn't mean he's silent. It doesn't mean he's left. It doesn't mean he's distant. It doesn't mean he's departed. It doesn't mean he's separated himself or his love for you. And it does not mean that you have his final word on your child's life. Don't you ever give up praying. That's number three. What's number four? What do I do if I'm here and I've lost my Timothy? Timothy. What do I do if I've lost a child, a son or a daughter, and that one punches hard today? First, let me just say, I am so sorry. That's not leader speak. That's not pastor speak. That's not me being cliche, trite, trying to say the right thing in the right moment. No, my wife and I lost our first child due to a miscarriage. You have other people here at Grace that have buried a son or buried a daughter and you need to know that you are not alone. God in his guiding direction in his providence has put you in a home where you can spend time brushing up against another person and the vacuum in your heart, the pit in your stomach brushes up against the vacuum in their heart, the pit in their stomach. That creates a spark which creates creates warmth which can fill your heart and heal your soul. You're not alone. But can I also say you're not alone, and not just in the horizontal sense. You're not alone in a deeper, more meaningful way. You are not alone in a vertical sense. Turn to your Father in heaven. Why? Because God the Father lost God the Son at the cross. He knows what it's like to lose his boy. So he is a God that you can go to. He can make you whole. He can fill the hole in your heart. You can talk to him about your pain and prayer, and you can hear from him in his word as you read the Bible. As you do these things, you will find him ministering to your heart. Go to his Throne, the very throne that Jesus left, the very throne that God sent Jesus from, go to that throne. Why? God lost his son so that you can have unfiltered access to that throne. He wants to hear from you. Finally, if you've lost a child and Mother's Day is a painful reminder, let me just say this. God will use you. Our God will use your story as you encounter other parents who have lost a child and everything that the Lord did to minister to your soul, you will be able to do for another person. He's too good. He's too powerful to let it go to waste. Amen? That's number three. What's number four? What's number four? We're going to skip over this one about the relationship with mom. We're going to save that for another Ladies' Day. We're going to skip over Titus. Let's go to our final question. What about the ladies that are here and do not have a biological child? What about you? I don't have a Timothy, Pastor John, and I want one. What do I do? Oh, I haven't forgotten you. We see you. We know you're there. We love you and we appreciate you. Here's a thought for you. Look at verse 3 again. Look at verse 3 again. Paul wanted to take Timothy under his wing. You know, many scholars think that Paul was married once. Many people think that Paul was married, but his wife has now died. But here's the thing we don't know if Paul ever had children. Paul. Probably never having had children, wants to take Timothy, who's probably just lost a father, under his wing. Do you see God's goodness in putting these two together? Do you see his kindness? Do you see him using his power in love and for their good? When Paul takes Timothy under his wing, this amazing affection just breaks out between them. Look at what Paul says about Timothy when he writes to him in the Bible. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. What does he call Timothy? His child. A couple verses later, verse 18, what does he call Timothy again? His child. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. What does he call Timothy? His child. Do you see how Timothy might be the son that Paul never had? Do you see how Paul might be the dad, the spiritual father that Timothy never had? Oh, ladies, my heart breaks for you. But you can still be like Eunice. You can go be a Paul or a Timothy to another lady. Oh, I get you that. It hurts. This is not fake. This is not staged. Oh, we'll sit with you and we'll talk with you about this. But you need to trust that you can be a Eunice too. How can I say that? And how can you trust that? Look at the better example than Paul. Look at your Savior, Jesus. Jesus never had children. He never had biological children. He never knew the joy of a physical son or a physical daughter. Instead, he knew this joy. He knew the joy. I can't read my notes, so I'm just going to shoot for it. He forwent the joy of physical children, y'all. He took joy in living the life that you and I cannot and will not live and dying the death we deserve to die. He took joy in paying a debt that we could never afford to pay. And what is the product? What is the accomplishment? What did he accomplish on that cross? He opened the way for billions of men and women to become children of God, sons of God, daughters of God. Throughout the last 2,000 years, you have in Jesus Christ the example that you really can live for Christ in Christ and become a spiritual mother. That right there shows the goodness of our Lord. That right there shows you his kindness for you, that he's on your side. He's for you. He understands you. And that right there is something to celebrate as we come to our Father's table. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father God. Father God, you are good. Father God, how we need you. You're a good father, and in your fatherhood, you show us how to parent, whether it's The parenting of a father or the parenting of a mother. We thank you that in you we can find hope and help and healing and encouragement and comfort. Father, please be with our ladies. Father, please strengthen our husbands. Please help us to ask as fathers and husbands, what can I do to get my wife a break? How can I serve her? How can I see her and make sure she's known? Oh, Father, thank you for all that this table represents. Thank you that as we come to you now, you will strengthen us in this task especially the mamas who need your help. We love you and we praise you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.